eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 231 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott, I don't know. Well, actually, I do know. You guys are troopers, and you did stay up for the entire game last night, which got out around 6 a.m. or so. Um, obviously, I'm joking. And the, the San Jose Sharks, 10.30 start time, 1.15 a.m. finish. Gotta love that. It's brutal. Like, they really have to take that extra half hour like you can't can't have a 7 p.m local start 10 eastern which, which is bad enough but like we'll deal with it we understand we always get 7 p.m local starts so you can accept that but the that extra half hour just makes it makes it even worse it's like because i'm watching some of the early games last night like uh toronto florida buffalo calgary and it's like they they those games end and it's like oh it's still 15 minutes until the Bruins game starts. Yeah, it was I mean the extra 30 minutes is just like a middle finger to people on the East Coast. Like, hey guys, you're not gonna make it till this game ends at 1 30 in the morning. But I did. Um, but I'm also like a late person. Like I'm always up late anyway. So it wasn't a huge difficulty for me. Um, but Scott got like five hours of sleep, so we, we apologize to Scott. Or uh, San Jose should apologize to Scott. They, they should. The, the entire city, really, the entire Bay Area. Honestly, I'm going to hold that whole part of the state accountable. No, but yeah, it, I'm I'm not a late person, so I got to plan around it. Like I, you know, got to schedule some naps in. We're, we're good though. We're we're ready to go. Let's 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 go. Yeah, we're ready to go. And and there's nothing like getting New England ready for for excited for a hockey season, you know, a new team, new faces, like a you know, October West Coast trip when everybody's sleeping except for the people covering the team. So that's that's lovely. Um that said, Bridget and Scott will top over the boards, opening shift. Scott, let's get to your your first take. Well, 
Mine is just that I think maybe just keep Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick together. Like, let's not overthink this. They had really good chemistry last year, very effective third line all season long. And, you know, if you think back, like, early last season, it was like, well, of course it's a really strong third line, you know, Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall. And we kind of saw Trent Frederick as, like, the third guy. But then Frederick turns into, you know, ends up having a really good season himself and is a big part of that line's success. And you could see it when, you know, the times when Taylor Hall was either out of the lineup or had to move up in the lineup because someone else was out. And that line was still good with Nick Foligno on the left or even A.J. Greer a couple of times. Uh, So it was like Coyle and Frederick were really – became sort of the key to that line and sort of the identity of it. And, you know, you see early on this year, it's like, okay, Coyle, okay with Marshall and DeBrusque, but not really clicking one game back with Frederick. And literally right off the bat, they like have the same chemistry they had last year and end up having a really strong game with James Van Reems, like on their left, three of them combined for a goal that, ends up being Van Riemsdyk's that he pushes, you know, pushes over the line. So I just think like, don't overthink it. Just keep, keep those two together. And and for now, keep JVR on their left too. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'll go to my opening shift first. Um, so I think the most, one of the most noticeable players, if not the most noticeable player in last night's game for the Bruins in a positive way was Pavel Zaka, who was doing pretty much everything. Uh, he both ends of the ice was really good. Um, made a lot of steals was another one of their best penalty killers. Um, obviously is on that first power play unit and he just showed, I want to say another jump forward in his progress, um, transitioning to center. And we saw flashes of just how good he could be. And we saw some Bergeron like, uh, moments of his play last night so I think he and him with Pasternak works right um and it almost feels like it doesn't matter who's with them because they take James Van Riesdijk off that line today and it still works um because of Pavel Zaka being a good playmaker and Pasternak being such a good finisher yeah that's true Bridget and it's something to keep an eye on going forward especially as it pertains to other lines that might need that third forward to click um so for me I would say I know a lot of people might be a little bit pessimistic of the Bruins start so far this year despite them being 3-0 because for whatever reason people think that five on five scoring or you know five on five possession hasn't been great I would just like to remind everybody that it's three games into a season they're 3-0. They've had a funky schedule. They're out West. They have a ton of turnover on this team. And I don't know who was expecting them to be, you know, hitting the ground running to start this season. I would just remind people to take a look around the rest of the league and see that everybody's got the October jitters and the Bruins haven't had a tough schedule so far. Who cares? I mean, they can't control that. So, look, I would just say save the save the pessimism for when the Bruins actually deserve it and not get all over them for not being, you know, the 1980 U S hockey team's chemistry after three games this year. And by the way, they're three and So just take what you can get and one game at a time. Yeah. And to build off that, it's like, it's not even like 
five and five possession or anything was bad. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. They're third in the NHL in Corsi right now, which is, you know, percentage of shot attempts five on five. After last night, they're now first in five on five expected goals for percentage. Um, you know, the issue and like the thing that Montgomery addressed was he just thought they were leaving some finishing on the table. Like they, they weren't converting into great chances and goals. And obviously you did see that change Thursday night. And, you know, I'd say obviously the fourth line stayed the same and I thought they were solid. They had a couple of rough shifts, but you know, they've been fine through three games, two of the three new lines definitely clicked and we touched on both of them, you know, the Van Riemsdyk, Coyle, Frederick line, as well as the DeBrusque, Zaka, Pasenak line, both look good. I know we'll get into Marsha and Patrick Geeky, which was the one line that, you know, didn't have a great game and was pretty quiet most of the night. Um, but yeah, I, I almost think some of that maybe concern from fans or whatever, I think is that just is driven by Montgomery changing the lines and saying he wants, you know, wants to find more five and five offense that just naturally leads people to think like, Oh, they haven't been good five on five. And as something that's true, like they were, they were solid five on five. They just needed to score more. So yeah, you're going to look for ways to, you know, to make sure you're converting your possession and shot attempts into goals. So I get that, but like, it's, it's not like they were like giving up a ton of chances or spending a ton of time in their own zone. Like the, the foundation was still solid. They just needed sort of a little extra oomph to like to break through and actually start scoring. Yeah. And I feel like Jim Montgomery has been a little feisty at the mic so far this year and press conferences talking about that. I think after last game or just during, during, you know what this last week of practice is really people were asking about that and it, and they they said look you said earlier this year and that you wanted to keep lines together for longer periods of time but everything points to the you know the opposite of that so far and why is that and he's more or less responding by saying well when they when we play better and faster five on five i'll i'll stop changing the line so it's kind of a catch-22 where you're not giving them enough time to to do that but he wants to see it right away and i feel like a lot of the fan base just they hear that and, and to your point scott they just kind of they feel that same energy because the coach is saying it so they're gonna say it but but yeah i mean look i, I don't know what people expected i mean they're this team is completely different than last year like did did, did you did people expect them to have this in, insane chemistry off the hop so and and they're playing i mean they're playing fine it's three games into the season so um i you know i see that narrative and it's just like you know look n- Believe me, Brian will get pissed off at the Bruins as, as as good as anybody. But what are we doing here? We're three games into the year. It's three and zero, and and I know it hasn't been perfect, but like, do we expect it to be so? Why why do we want them to be a finished product a week into the season, brand new team? Like, let's everybody you know relax. It's it's just it's it can be annoying sometimes. It seems manufactured is all you know. No, this business would never manufacture that kind of a thing. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it's not even the business, it, though. It seems like it seems like it's, like right, the it's fans actually, that just want it. Yeah, you're right. It's actually more just like I see more on Twitter than I do hear it on the radio for once. Um, so I I want to go back to Scott's first um, because 
I, I have a lot of thoughts, especially because they played so well on the line of Van Riemsdyk, Coyle, and Frederick. Um, first of all, Van Riemsdyk is a force on that line. And the other two are also strong skaters. Um, and we, you know how we've, we've been saying with the fourth line, the speed of that line kind of brings Lucci speed up a little bit. I think the same thing's happening with that Van Riemsdyk line. I think it helps to have, I feel like him and Coyle and Frederick could all be net front guys and they're all on that line, but they're, you know, they're able to rotate and, and get in there and get some good looks. And what was the stat, Scott? I think you tweeted it out um, in the first period. They had so many chances. Uh, I believe was it ten to nothing yeah. or eight to nothing. Just, just in the chances? first, yeah, just in the first period alone, when they were on the ice, the Bruins outshot the Sharks ten to nothing. Yeah, and that line was swarming the offensive zone. Um, and to the point about the chemistry with Coyle and Frederick being there again. Um, I, whenever I see them, they're funny. Like they're like a big brother and a little brother. Um, Coyle is the big brother and he's always like, I, I see Frederick with him a lot. They're like, they're like passing a football or, um, they're just hanging out together and the way they talk about each other too. It's kind of like a, it, it almost feels like they're, they're a big brother, little brother situation. So they have on the ice chemistry because of working together all of last year, but they also get along off the ice really well. So I think that helps. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, look, obviously we know why Coyle was on a different line to start. He, all summer long, he was penciled in as one of the top two centers. And, you know, Ben Reemsteg was going to get a shot in the top six before Frederick. But I think we had even kind of touched on it come up at times, too. It's like, it wasn't out of the question that Frederick and ended up in the top six. Like, if Van Riemsdyk wound up dropped down to a third line, say maybe you would have seen like Marsh and Coyle Frederick as a line, which could still be a possibility at some point. Um, because now like, you know, to transition a little bit, the first go round of Marsh and Patrick geeky wasn't great. Um, they were very quiet through two periods, through two periods when they were on the ice, the Bruins had been out attempted nine to two and outshot five, nothing. Um, now Martian did score a goal and Patrick played a role in that because he had the zone entry leading up to it, dumped the puck down low to Marshand, and that sets up the whole possession. Uh, it just so happens that Patrick changes off for Johnny Beecher before the goal is scored. Beecher ends up getting the assist, his first NHL point. Um, so it's not like they didn't do anything, but as a line, they were, they were pretty quiet and, I'm not going to panic or overreact. In fact, I hope Jim Montgomery keeps that line together Saturday in Los Angeles. He did briefly split them up late in the second period Thursday night and then went back to it in the third period. I thought thought they found a little bit of traction. They at least had a couple offensive zone shifts in the third. Um, but I think like this is, this is a good situation to give Padre a chance to bounce back, like see how he responds to – really his first hiccup at all that he's had as a pro talking preseason training camp, regular season, like, okay. Like the kid's 19 years old. He finally had a quiet game. So give him a chance to respond um, before, you know, shaking up the lines again. Um, but like, quiet is worth... even bad. Like quiet, like quiet means that you also didn't 
f up like horribly and we're like oh yeah maybe he's not sure. ready it was just a weird situation and it was the first time this year that they're playing on that line with with Marshawn and it it may turn out they could build their chemistry or maybe they're better off with you know him and geeky and uh debrusque we we don't know yet but um i would like to see more of that line well the line yeah i mean the line that i haven't seen yeah it's 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 uh to that point we haven't seen Marshan, patra and debrusque have we for for any extended amount of time five on five at all really like all, all this line yeah. shuffling that's the one we didn't see right so i i mean look so so scott's scott's initial take on on jvr and well coil and 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 frederick in particular but with jvr i like that line obviously that size it's great the chemistry with coil and frederick is great um so i echo all of that and and coil looks much more natural in that third line spot it's just i know san jose but better matchups he's just that's where he's supposed to be on this team as far as what you guys are talking about I, i didn't expect Patra, Marshand, and Geeky to light the world on fire. I just didn't. Um, you know, I think Geeky does a lot of small things well. He's a big body, goes to the net, strong on the puck, you know, strong on his feet. But he's not the fastest skater. And you're talking about three guys that have never played together before. So I want the line I want to see, because Bridget, you mentioned how pa- uh, Pasternak and um and Zaka, they can they can gel with with you, me, or Scott on the other wing, I think. And so I don't think they need DeBrusque on that line, despite them looking good. So I want to see Patra, Marchand, and DeBrusque. And, you know, if if you do Frederick, Geeky, and Coyle, is that all much different than Frederick, Coyle, and JVR from a size perspective? Not really, right? So maybe put JVR back into that that top line with with, with Pashnak and Zaka and JVR. I mean, um. Patra Marchand and and DeBrusque. That's what I want to see. I kind of thought that Patra, I thought that Geeky on a line with 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 Marchand and Patra was kind of a waste of Patra's first showcase on that line. That's just my opinion. I'd like to see what the, the combinations I just spoke of. Yeah, I I completely agree. And also that means that DeBrusque would be playing on what is now his strong side, the right side, where they've been slotting him in on the left so that he can so that Patra not can stay on the right. So um, I think you're you're looking for you're you're looking to get DeBrusque also in a more natural position on a line that looks like that with Marshawn Potter and DeBrusque. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I think that, like, I almost expect to see that at some point. I kind of, we sort of touched on that last episode where it was like, it almost felt like there was still another move to go because I just don't see Geeky sticking on a line with Marshand. it would be great. It would be a very pleasant surprise if, if Geeky plays up to that level, but I'm not really expecting it. And Geeky was a fourth line guy before yeah. he came to the Bruins. Like, is he really a top six guy? 
and on this team? No, not, not certainly not yet. I mean, early in the season, it's fine to give him a shot there and see what happens, but yeah, no, there's certainly not much in his resume that would tell you that like he's going to stick there or is capable of that. Um, you know, and in this scenario, Van Riemsdyk goes back up with Zaka and Pasternak, and I thought that line was fine. Like, they just hadn't scored as a line yet, but I thought they were doing some good things and getting some chances. So, yeah, you know, and, and Frederick, Coyle, Geeky, I mean, it means Frederick goes over to the left, and I think, I think like DeBrusque, he's probably more comfortable on the right at this point, but it shouldn't be that huge of an adjustment, honestly. Like, I said it with DeBrusque, too. It's like if you – it's like riding a bike. If you've played left wing long enough before, it shouldn't like you shouldn't struggle going back there. You should be able to pick it up and get used to, you know, where to be on the wall and all those little things pretty quickly. So yeah, and like that line I think should still be a pretty solid third line. You know, Geeky doesn't have the finishing touch around the net that Vin Reemsdyke does. So obviously you're losing that, but you still have the three big bodies. You still have three guys who can get in on the four check. Um, you know, you can still play with some pace. Like you can still do all that stuff. So might not be quite as offensively dynamic in terms of scoring goals, but you know, you're, you're looking for a line like that to score a lot of greasy goals anyway. So they should be able to do that. And, and Geeky's, I feel like he's one of those guys that, Don Sweeney brought in in free agency, same with Boquist, that he had an idea where they would go. And then all of a sudden, Potter and Beecher pushed their hands. And now you're trying to find a home for Geeky somewhere. Um, and he was clearly good enough to make the team. But the natural position that I think they wanted to bring him for was fourth line center. And then now that's Johnny Beecher's job and he deserves it. So um, you're trying to figure out where else to plug him in. And we've seen him take face-offs instead of Patra at different times um, on the power play and, and even strength because uh, he's he can still take face-offs and what have you and play on the wing. But he is kind of someone that they had an idea where he was going to go, and then it got shaken up with the addition, with the fact that Patra and Beecher were ready um, and both our centers in this lineup. So now you have to find somewhere else to put them. And um, they just haven't quite figured that out yet. Yeah. I mean, really it was third line center was where he was going to be penciled in. So it was, it was really Patra who bumped him out of that. And then, um, you know, he could have gone down to fourth line center, but Beecher looked so, so good. And so ready for that, that uh, moving Kiki over the wing was, was the more natural move. And, you know, look, <laughs> another part of this equation at some point is potentially Danton Heinen, who is still around and he's with them on this road trip. So, you know, at, I don't know, at some point I assume he's getting signed and you're going to want to get him into games if, and when that happens. So that's another, but that's, you know, it's just another guy who could be part of this equation, especially if you're talking about like third line, um, you know, he could certainly fit there. He could fit on the, Fourth line, I think I think the 12 forwards they have in there now are fine. Like, I'm not saying anyone needs to be benched to make room for Heinen. But if and when the time comes to sign him, you're going to want him to play. Like, he's not, yeah. you know, at least on some sort of rotational basis. You're not going to want him to just sit on the bench for, for two months. I could see, like, them rotating maybe him and Lauko. But you want to know what stinks for Heinen and, and for Jim Montgomery? 
they're not in town this week and Denver's playing in Providence. So I have the Denver game at Providence college tonight, and then they play at Boston college tomorrow night. And both of those guys won a title with Denver and the, the timing just didn't add up. Cause I've seen a lot of, um, Ian, Ian Mitchell itself. too. What? Ian Mitchell too. Ian Mitchell. Yes. And, and so I've seen a lot of NHL guys at these college hockey games. We have them on in the intermission sometimes because they want to come back. They still love their college hockey teams and they want to come back and watch the game. So this one just didn't quite time out correctly for them, which stinks because they're, I mean, they're still very connected to Denver. Yeah. No, I think I, I also said Heinen won a championship there too, but I think Scott, you said he was a year off from that. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he went to the, I think he went to the national title game, but yeah, I don't think he actually won. If I'm remembering my years correctly, mm. Mitchell did them. I think almost positive Mitchell did them. Hmm. Well, yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of pioneer DNA in the Bruins these days. Uh, so look, I, I feel like this is going to be a very continuous conversation all year about just line shuffling line jumbling and and different personnel in and out different lines and i feel it's going to be this way up until the deadline because i feel they're going to try to probably target a top a top six winger i i because i just don't see the bruins trading for a top two center i just don't think they're necessarily out there especially at the trade deadline i think they're going to try to improve their team and I think that they're going to try to improve their team on the top six wing. So until then, um, you're going to have essentially what I'm saying is you're probably going to have a third line caliber winger in the top six until then, because they have an abundance of of middle six kind of talent, like or like third line talent. I mean, you have Frederick and Geeky, and you have uh, you know obviously Charlie Coyle. You have Dan Heinen, uh, who as we mentioned still isn't signed. Um, I mean, you have uh, Jesper Boquist in Providence. You have, you just have, uh, it's just the way that JVR on a, on a championship team, we kind of feel like is a third liner, right? I mean, he looked great last night on the third line, but he is, he has the highest ceiling of these players I'm talking about to be in the top six. So I just think it's going to be like this for months going forward until we maybe they, they add to this, to this roster where, where they need to. That's the vibe I'm getting because I don't see, I don't see with this forward grouping. I mean, I mentioned I would like to see DeBrusque, Patra, and Marshan, Zaka, JVR, P- Pasternak, and then Coyle, Frederick, Geeky, or something like that, whatever. Um, and the fourth line can stay as is. Like, those are the ideal combinations right now. But, um, you know, who's to say that those will work out? Um, so aside from those, I just don't really see, like, a set lineup that's going to be there all year because they're playing so damn well. Just, okay. just, to, just to correct myself, Mitchell did not win one either. He got – so Heinen left the year before they won in 2017. Mitchell got there the year after. So they both missed it by one year on either Man. side. So I don't even know what they're doing with these guys. They, they, didn't, they didn't win a title. What, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And then, well, then in Denver won two years ago at the Garden as well. I forget it. I don't, I mean, Montgomery wasn't with the team at the time. So yeah. And neither was Heinen. So, but yeah, they won, they won it. When the Frozen Four was at the Garden, I was there. Scott, were you there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were. I think I was literally together. sitting right next to. We you. were together. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Scott and I were up there eating popcorn together. I don't remember at all uh, who I was next to. No, I'm just kidding, Scott. Um, 
Anyway, uh, to talk about, to go to the, what you were just talking about, Brian, with the line changes, and we're going to be talking about it the whole season. That is what we do. That is our job um, to talk about what we think is the best combination. Uh, so yeah, we're going to continue to do that. I don't know if you guys wanted to transition to our up and down segment um, because I think we've already talked about a few of these guys um, and would like to put it into this context. So if you guys are ready. Yeah. So, I mean, the way we're looking at this is like, I think we're going to try to do this once a week. Who's up, who's down. It's going to be on sort of like a rolling weekly basis. So in the case of this one, since the Bruins have only played one game this week, we're just going to look at the first three games total. Um, but I think, you know, maybe the most obvious up, especially from if you're comparing to like, you know, maybe some questions going into the season is James Van Riemsdyk, who now has three goals in three games. And two of them came in the power play. His goal Thursday night comes five and five. And you're just seeing him do the things that he's done really well throughout his whole career, which is be, be very involved around the net, be hard to move out of those areas and score dirty goals in close. Um, you know, as I've said before, like you're not going to see as much of the sort of high flying skill that he had earlier in his career when he was young, you know, he doesn't have, really have that foot speed anymore, but everything else that he's always had that he's learned, like he still has that, you know, he hasn't forgotten how to be a presence around the net, how to finish him close. And last year was, you know, he's on a bad flyers team. We, we talked about how he already matched his total of power play goals from all of last season. Like that tells you just how bad the flyers were and how bad that power play was. It's like, you have James Van Reams like as your net front, net front presence on the power play, and you can't find a way to get him more than two goals. Like, I, like I could be throwing shots at the net from the point, and you know, have him deflect a couple in. Like, you have to try to like not have JVR score goals to have him I really, only end up with two. I really want to see that. Can we make that happen at some point? I I used to have a pretty good shot back in the day. <laughs> Were you a defenseman? I no, I was. I was. No center or left wing but oh, okay. um, yeah but uh yeah so I think I think JVR is definitely an up and you know whether whether it's in a top six role or as you know sort of a high-end third liner like if you're gonna get him into 20 something goals this year you know I, I've made my bull prediction of 30 like that's that's a, a bull prediction that's not what we should all reasonably expect. But if he can get into the twenties for a guy who's only making a million dollars, I mean, that's going to be a steal and a half. So I think you have to, you know, you have to be encouraged by what you've seen so far. Yeah, I, I agree, Scott. I think, I think JVR has been, he's been great. I mean, he's been, he's been more than what people, I mean, he's been everything that you kind of hoped for um, from like, from an optimistic perspective, but from a realistic perspective, he's definitely exceeded. And yeah, you know, I wonder so much if it, if it's that he's lost foot speed, Scott, or if it's just that the league around him has gotten faster. Because like I don't That's think fair he was too. Yeah. he wasn't ever like I I, I remember the um, the 2011 playoffs against the Flyers in like Game Two, Philly was down in the series a game, and they came out like on with their with their hair on fire. They they had like 50 or 60 shots that game, and JVR was just like. Every time he touched the puck, it was like, as a Bruins fan, you're like, 
all right, what's going to happen here? Um, he was he was dynamic, but I'm but like, and I've recently watched some of this because obviously with the prevalence of him being on the Bruins right now, but you know he wasn't like Connor McDavid out there speed wise. It's just that he was he was you know blitzing Dennis Seidenberg and Adam McQuaid and Zidane Chara, you know, kind of a little bit flat footed at the blue lines. And um, but but to your point though, I mean, even if even if what I'm saying is true, if the league around you is getting faster, then it's the same net effect, right? So. Um, but yeah, he's been awesome for sure. I think he was a, just an amazing steal, right? Of all of the off season acquisitions, you can see where Lucci has brought his physicality and where he factors in and that that was a good addition. Um, and JVR has really already outplayed or showed that he can outplay his $1 million contract. Uh, I, I think the fact that the stats look as bad as they did in Philadelphia last year helped the Bruins get him because otherwise, if, if you were to get him earlier in his career at really at any point, <laughs> he would have been out of your price range as a free agent. And all of a sudden he comes in with a lower stock than really what he's worth. Um, and you get him at a million dollars in, he's playing in your top six. You don't usually sign a free agent that cheap, and they're just clicking in your top six and they're on your top power play unit and they're um, scoring so far up goal per game pace. Like that's not something that usually happens. So that was just an incredible steal in free agency that I, I wonder how many teams gave him offers if, you know, if he really just wanted to come to Boston or, or what the deal was with him only getting that size contract, but um, it's worked out really well so far. And I don't see any reason why it would all of a sudden go badly. Like that we, what we're seeing so far in the first three games is what James Van Riesdyk is. So that's, I feel like you can expect this from him a lot of the year. Yeah. And, and who knows, maybe he, maybe, maybe they, he sticks around in a, in a, in a Bruins sweater for, for an additional year. If he ends up, if he, if he still comes on a bargain price um, and he can play a, like like Scott said, like a twenty goal guy at you know third line, whatever. I mean, he he's thirty four, right? He's, it's not like he's thirty eight or thirty nine. I mean, hell, Patrice Bergeron is winning Selkies at thirty seven, thirty eight, whatever he is. And like, so I guess what I'm saying is like thirty four is not, it's not fifty. Like he's he, so he still has some to give. For me, uh, I think Johnny Beecher has been up. Um, you know, he obviously earned a spot out of training camp and. I don't know if people – I think people definitely had their eyes on him this training camp. I know we did. I know there was definitely a spot to be to be earned on this Bruins roster, but it wasn't a guarantee he would be the one to do it. Obviously, you see some free agent signings come in. We talked about it, Geeky and others, Boquist. Um, obviously, Boquist is down in Providence because somebody like Johnny Beecher took that job. So if the Bruins didn't have all these free agency signings, you'd be like naturally, okay, well there's some spots for kids to earn, but then they sign these guys. And then, even though the, the mantra from the Bruins was still, Hey, we brought these guys in. It's still open competition. Um, anyway, so he, so he makes a team and, and he's just been, he's been very good. He's been very noticeable. Uh, he's using his size, his speed and keep in mind, it's his first NHL action. So he's doing all this, you know, you know learning, learning the speed and the tempo of the NHL game. And, Face-off percentage is above 50% um, through three games. And he's been, uh, you know, obviously he had a questionable hit in the in the Blackhawks game, but, you know, owned up to it and took a few licks, but, you know, dropped the gloves. 
Um, obviously got his first assist on Marshan's goal last night, as we mentioned. And I just think his speed and tenacity on, on the penalty kill has been a major development for him. And Scott, I think you may have tweeted out last night. That's how you stick around. Uh, a lot of attention has been on Matt Potcher and what he's doing as a young player to stay in the, in the Bruins lineup. But there, but Johnny Beecher is doing a lot of the little things really well that you need on an NHL team. Like the Bruins need Matt Potcher to be a second line center. That, that's what they want him to be. That's a lot to live up to. Johnny Beecher, he just needs to do the little things right to kind of earn that bottom six role. And he's doing that. So for me, Johnny Beecher has been up this to start this season. Yeah, like he's doing – there's like those certain requirements that the Bruins especially expect out of a fourth-line center, and penalty killing is one. He's been a regular part of a penalty kill that remains perfect on the season. Um, you know, he's right in that like two and a half minutes a game on, on the PK, which is – Bruins basically have five forwards who are like in that range. Or You know, Coyle's more. Um, I think Zach is a little more. But he's right there. Like, he's been out there every PK. Uh, take defensive zone draws in key situations. He's been out there for those. He's, you know, they're trusting him late in games to, to win draws and to make plays to get the puck out of the zone. Last night after, I think it was Marshan took the late penalty, right? Um, you know, it's final minute, and Beach is the one taking the D zone draw. And it's like, it's a two goal lead. So you're not, you're not expecting the Sharks to score two anyways, but that's still like a key situation. If you say you lose that face off and you give up a quick one, now all of a sudden it's a one goal game with 30 seconds left and things are just a little closer than they ever really needed to be. So still an important situation. And he's, he's getting put out there for, for those draws for those situations. And he's, you know, he's, living up to it. Like he's, he's doing the work and you add in his first point last night. And it's like, that's, that's a nice thing to tack on. You know, he's scoring isn't going to be his, his primary responsibility in a fourth line center role, but you do have to chip in, you know, that fourth line is going to have to score a little bit. Like they're going to have to carry their weight. So um, good for him to get his first point. And, you know, obviously now you hope that, the first goal is coming, coming at some point soon. Yeah, that's all he's got left. Um, Potter still waiting for his first goal too. Uh, but I, I don't really know what even else to add to that because you guys kind of said everything about Beecher. I, I completely agree that he's – him in that, in that fourth line in general have been solid so far um, and doing pretty much every single one of them on a nightly basis doing exactly – what you asked them to do. So they're playing that role perfectly, including Johnny Beecher. Um, I had a hard time. So we, we just did two up and there's, there's definitely more ups than downs uh, at this point in this season through three games, three wins. Uh, it's kind of hard to say, you know, Oh, this person was, has been bad all three games. Cause I don't know if anyone has been bad all three games, but um, I'm going to steal Scott's cause you guys stole the ups. So I'm going to steal the down. Um, Derek Forbert might be the only person that we want to say down at this point through three games in the season, just for some, some plays that made him look a little bit slow, maybe not the right reads. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that. I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. I think with Forbert, it's like, again, we mentioned the, uh, the penalty kills have been perfect so far. 
obviously we know he's a big part of that. So that's, that's always like first on the Derek Fulbert resume is his penalty kill. So you can't ignore that, but yeah, five on five. I think he's, he's like a little rough at times. Um, in particular, I think he's had some breakout passes that have just been not even like bad decisions, but just straight up bad passes that have just like missed their targets. Um, you know, he had at least one or two of those last night. He had another one where it, there was just like one four checker coming in, probably, I don't know, 10 feet away from him. And like, you can move it either direction outside of that. You can spin off and whatever. And he threw a pass right off the four checker's leg. And it's like, it ended up ricocheting to a safe area of the ice, thankfully. But it's like, that easily can turn into a breakaway and a goal the other way if that bounces a little different direction. And there's just been a few of those plays where it's like, he has time. He's not under a ton of pressure and just makes a bad pass. And, you know, I know that's it's transitions never really been his strength, but I do feel like at, you know, generally when he's playing well, he he's at least making the, the simple breakout pass and like not overthinking it. And, I don't know if he is overthinking it or if he's trying to do too much because some of them have been like stretch passes that I don't know if that's really in his arsenal. Um, So I don't know. I I just think he's been, been a little sloppy so far. And, you know, when you're again, like I want Mason Laura to have more time in Providence. Um, Let him, let him really be ready when you're going to call him up. But like, in a season where that's an option at some point, uh, you know, if Forbert's five on five play isn't good enough, like at some point the penalty killing alone doesn't cover for it anymore. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I don't have these grand expectations for Forbert. Um, you know, he's exactly what we've been watching for a couple of years now. He's not a great transition player, um, does not have great outlet passes, um, doesn't lead, doesn't lead, his teammates in transition, as you mentioned, Scott, a lot of his passes are just behind his teammates, just not tape to tape, which, you know, you make it to the NHL, you better be a tape to tape passer. So that's kind of bare minimum. And, and yeah, look, I think I've been on record saying, I think Laura is going to be in his top six at some point this year. I think right now it's just a matter of when, um, certainly probably not here in October, but yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I don't have these, like I said, big expectations for Forbert. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, if you're not strong five on five, I just think special teams is a, is a major part of the game. I just don't think Derek Forber like invented how to how to be a penalty killer. <laughs> I mean, like other people are capable of of doing what he's doing. I mean, so so yeah, I mean, but for me, I would any 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 follow ups on Forbert before I name a couple of guys. Yeah, just just to say that in terms of you know to compare between him and Beecher, like their positions, first of all, Beecher won that role and also has done everything to keep it so far. And I feel like Forbert, maybe I wouldn't say outplayed Lorai for that role, right? So like he has that role and it's his to lose. Um, so it's, and it's Lorai's to, to try to win over at some point in the season or Ian Mitchell's or, you know, whoever the extra defenseman is. So he's at the very bottom of that, that, um, you know, safety net, like he's, he's the one that's kind of leaning off the edge. So he's got the footsteps right behind him. And there is a pretty viable replacement 
in Lorite. I think Lorite maybe, we, like we mentioned before, has some more polishing to do. But I don't, it's not like he can't come in and play NHL minutes and and work on his game in the NHL. Scott, what are you doing? Huh? Scott. I'm Scott. Scott. Oh yeah. No. In your apartment. Scott's mowing his kitchen floor over there. <laughs> I don't. Scott. I, I don't know if you can. I don't. Bridget. I don't know if Scott can hear as much as we can. Um. But yeah. All it's of a sudden, it just came through. Well, like probably not because I have I have headphones in, but. I, I also I thought I muted when I stopped talking last time. So that's it's just like why you can it seems here. it seems to get louder. Like when Bridget's uh, like making points, it just gets louder and louder. I look. I think I think the tile on your kitchen floor is as short as I can get. You can probably you can probably stop mowing now. That's a that's that 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 means Bridget was talking too long. That's actually her playoff oh, music well, with the Oscars what? now. That was pretty just, much. I was the, done with my point. So the the leaf blower is just gonna get louder and louder the more you talk. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, Bridget, I think like you're saying, I mean, I think Lorai's I think Lori helps this Bruins team in more ways right now than Forbert does. We we know Forbert helps the Bruins in the PK. Got it. I get it. We get it. But like there's other facets to the game that he doesn't and Lori would. And I also I'm not convinced Lori would suck as a penalty killer anyway. Like I think he's he's long and rangy and um so I don't know. Look, it's not something I'm looking for right now. But I do think that, you know, in the next couple of months, I'd like to see uh, Lorai start to get some opportunities up here. As long as he's playing well in Providence. I mean, he has to earn it down there, too. Like, it's one thing to think he played well in camp, and I know what he's capable of, I think. But still got to go down there and earn it. So, you know, we'll see yeah. in time. The last thing I was going to say on Forbert, uh, quick trip to advanced stats corner. Right now, he's the only Bruin who's under 50% in expected goals. Uh, now, he's close, 47.5. It's not... Like he's like way down, truly awful. Um, but does just kind of highlight like something that was also true last season, which is like he's probably their weakest five on five player. So um, you know, and, and he does get a lot of D zone starts, so that's part of it. But so does so does the fourth line, so does Shattenker, so does Carlo. Like that they're all getting Charlie Coyle for sure. Like they're all getting a lot of D zone starts and they still find a way to flip the ice and get more chances than they give up. So, um, yeah, just wanted to note that as well. Do we have any more ups mm -hmm. or downs? I got a, I got a couple of, uh, I don't want to call them downs. I just want to, because I don't think they're playing poorly. So it's again, as Scott mentioned, it's three games in. it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, but I, I do think it's notable for what it's worth that, uh, two players you, you're counting on to score this year haven't haven't uh, registered a point yet, and and that's Jake DeBrusque and Pavel Zaka. And and I know that they like I know Zaka played well in San Jose. I mean, you know, not scoring isn't always indicative of, of how you're playing. And I think this that goes true for both of these players right now. So I'm not saying that they're playing poorly. What I am saying though is that you know through three through three games you have you have players like Lucic and Frederick and Coyle and Beecher and Patra and. JVR scoring and you know you have a lot of middle six guys that have been scoring and whatnot um you got to have you got to have DeBrusque and Zaka break through here pretty soon for you and obviously they're going to right it's inevitable um it's just something I've you know Bridget you mentioned it's tough to pick a it's tough to pick a who's down three games in um so after I would just note those right 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 and so you know I, I'm just making the note that I would like to see those two break through on the score sheet um 
you know, maybe hopefully as soon as uh, Saturday in Los Angeles. And I made the note before we came on that, like, Pasternak has, you know, he's on pace for a record number of goals, but his details have not been good. He's He has a lot of turnovers. He seems a little bit like, um, I don't know, just not 100% focused for 100% of the time. So, um, I don't know. There definitely have been times where you're like, okay, well, that turnover could end up in the back of the net if it's not the Sharks, you know, um, or something like that. So the details need to get cleaned up. We know he's the best player on this team. So um, we've seen him do those things well before. It's just for whatever reason through the first three games, it's just a little bit almost like a preseason carryover, um, leaning on his strengths and, you know, not really doing the whole defense (laughs) thing. So um, I thought that he he definitely – by no means, I would you say he's down, but also he could do better. Yeah, well, and also worth noting, like his goal last night starts with him winning the puck in the D zone. So that's you know maybe that like helps kind of reinforce it of like, hey, don't forget, like do the work in the D zone, you get rewarded at the other end type thing. And and um, a puck will go in off your skate. Yeah, <laughs> that that really was like one of the most like hilarious, just awkward. The goals. the photo that like the still photo after that goal that I saw was Pasternak lying face down on the ice, like stomach down, because he got knocked over. He was falling down. It hit him in the skate and went in. So like the picture is the puck in the back of the net and him just like behind the net, like kind of like on the ground, just like looking like oh cool. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean. It's interesting. I know I mentioned off the top how people might be a little down on the Bruins because they haven't looked dynamic in these three wins. And, and, you know, my sentiment was kind of just like, I mean, what do you expect? It's a brand new season. Everybody's shaking off the rust and the kinks. And obviously it's a new new, new mix of guys. So let's just take the wins and, and move on. That said, I feel like there's no team in the NHL that collects points and wins while not playing their best hockey than the Bruins do. Like last, remember last year, the last, like obviously the Bruins set records last year in the regular season, but we talked about on this podcast, like we would go on after, after wins seemingly every, every game. And, and the last like couple of months, it was almost a lot of what we kept talking about was how Bruins win, but they didn't look great doing it. Like, they, like something like, I just feel like that's that happens a lot with this Bruins team, and I and this is a totally different team than last year. But have you guys noticed that? Or like some like I feel like when other teams play like shit, and not that the Bruins are playing like shit, but because they're not. But I feel like when other teams struggle, they it costs them on the scoreboard and and, and the wins column. But the Bruins just find a way to 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 you know win when they're not playing their best, and that's a good sign. Um, it's just something I've noticed. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about them. Yeah, well, it's it's the major benefit of having a foundation of defense and goaltending. Like, they haven't – so far this season, they've given up four goals in three games. And when you do that, like, if, if you're just going to be solid defensively every night or almost every night, and you have a very good goalie in net every night, you're going to win a lot of games, and you're going to win some low-scoring games, and you're going to, you know – like sludge your way through and and win some ugly ones. Whereas other teams, if they don't have that foundation, they have an off night. Next thing you know, they've given up five, six, seven goals. So 
it looks a lot uglier. And like, you've seen that from some teams around the league, like, you know, we've touched on Toronto, like they've given up some goals. Like it's yeah. Like having that foundation puts them in such a better spot than a lot of teams. And that's, that's why, like I've said, they should safely be a playoff team. It's why I don't rule out them making a, a long run because there's so many teams that just don't have that. And I feel like that that gets lost. You know, I don't expect like everyone locally to watch every team in the NHL. Like I, I get it. You know, I don't other sports. Like I don't watch every team in baseball. I don't watch every team in the NBA. I watch the Boston teams. So I get it. But when you do watch a lot of other NHL games, you see that, like you see how bad, the defense is in some of these games and the Bruins just very rarely have those kind of nights. Yeah. And by the way, another, it could have been a shutout for Allmark last night. That Duclair goal was another kind of weird one where it goes in off the skates of Lindholm. So uh, could have been a shutout for him. Could have been his first shutout of the season, but just um, kind of a weird play in the third that ended his shutout. But um at least I think if you still took if you took the over, you still would have won. I'm not sure. I I didn't put a bet on it, but I know some of our coworkers did. Um, I think it was a, it was a one and a half was the line, but um, goal Bruin, Bruins win by two goals, then they win. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, was that? Do you guys have anything else to talk about? I mean, I just quickly on Lindholm, he had a pretty good game except for that. Very unfortunate bounce off his skates into the back of the net, but he um, was in front of the net a lot. He was really deep in the offensive zone a few times near the net. Um, maybe he listened to the last episode, Brian. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he heard what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I think a secondary assist to get him on the scoreboard this year would be nice. Um, you know, he's, he's got that goose egg in the point in the points column, which you know, I, like I said, that's not certainly everything, especially for a defenseman, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he's playing better. It, it's all all these all these criticisms and 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 you know analyzing. It's you know it's three games. It's early in the season. You know, Lindholm. It's just I. You know, he's just he's capable of being such a dominant player in this league. And when dominant players don't dominate, you just notice it. So, but yeah, he's been he's been getting better uh, a game at a time. And and you know one thing one thing else I've 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 uh, I was just noticing was that, um, you know. Fans around the league and teams around the league must be so like I. I understand it's been three games, right? But three to five games for everybody. But considering the Bruins lost Bergeron and Krejci last year, like I, I bet you teams were probably banking on hopefully the Bruins are off to a bad start. And it's just like, like I said, three to five games in, depending on what team you're talking about, it's like that Bruins logo is at the top of the standings in the East and third in the NHL standings, and it's just like teams would just be like, God damn, like. They can't even get up to a, a bad start to kind of like get you know trip them up early on and all. Yeah, I mean we're already down to four undefeated teams left, and as you said, like I'm thinking like what are, what are like what's the reaction going to be if the Bruins are the last undefeated team standing? Like, let's say they basically like sweep their way through this road trip because you know right now it's it's four undefeated teams at four different records, so. Vegas is 5-0-1-0, which I think I heard they're the first defending Stanley Cup champions to start 5-0-1-0 since the, I think it was like the 
85, 86 Oilers or something. Um, Colorado's 4-0-0, Bruins 3-0-0, and then the Islanders 2-0-0, the team that the NHL forgot to schedule and has still only played two games. So that's it. Like everyone else has, has lost already. So um, yeah, it, it would be funny to see the reaction kind of league wide. If the Bruins end up being the, the last undefeated team standing. I feel like the NHL hates the Islanders. They just like, there was a year where they started the season with like 13 games on the road because their building wasn't ready, which to be fair, that's not the league's fault, but I just feel like the Islanders are just like, Unless you live on Long Island, nobody likes the Islanders because they're just kind of a boring watch and a snooze fest. But no, no offense to any of the Islanders out there, but or their fans. I feel like that was offensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like that was. That's also, true. I so guess Melvin that was wanted to say hi, by the way. Hey, Melvin. Yeah, Melvin. for those watching, Melvin has joined joined the podcast. Melvin, yeah, he yeah, and if, it earlier too, I don't know what. Yeah, if you follow if you follow us on Twitter, you saw. Uh, Melvin was taking Bridget's place before the podcast. Yes. Still filling in on the production meeting. He's, he's currently now that I just woke him up so that he could look like say hi to the people. But yeah. And he is wearing a t-shirt, but <laughs> he's dressed. He's dressed in case, you know, he needed to be on camera. So. All it's right. Like, well, it's, a, it's like a almost Bruins themed t-shirt. It says bad to the bone, which. Yep. I, I remember always playing over Cam Neely highlights back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's homemade, so. Well, I feel like Melvin probably wants us to to wrap this one up. So the Bruins are off until – are they practicing? Do we know? Are they practicing today, Scott? We may get some line combinations, or is that a pregame game uh, tomorrow? I, I don't know, actually. I think they might be off today and then have morning skate Saturday in L.A. Actually, I'm pretty sure that is. I think they have an off day in L.A. today. Okay. All right. So, yep, Bruins are off until 10.30 Eastern Standard Time tomorrow night when they play the Kings. So, if you don't have plans on a Saturday, on a Saturday night and you're not trying to go to bed, then, yeah, it's great. Watch watch the Bruins until 1 a.m. But um, either way, the three of us will be breaking it down. So, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you very soon.